It's not only graduation season, it's also wedding season. I did a wedding yesterday, uh, yesterday evening actually, and so it was the the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity that um, was being celebrated liturgically. Uh, And so to all of you, I say thank you and and God bless you. Um, Listen for a little bit. We'll get back to you and your lives, um, but let me take a detour for a moment. I believe in God because I can see the stars when I'm out in the country and when I spend time at the ocean, when I observe uh, before, a mor- um, before a morning of hunting what time the sunrise is going to begin. The, the beauty and the order of the world is manifest. And that prompts us, every human being, to believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe in his resurrection because of the apostles, because of the way the apostles proclaimed to the world that Jesus really did die and rise and ascend into heaven. That was already formed before I arrived in Rome in 1994, but it was solidified, no doubt, with many years of leading pilgrims down to the excavations under St. Peter's Basilica. That tomb would never be there and that basilica would never have been built if our Lord and Savior hadn't risen from the grave. Because Peter and his other apostles would have hidden themselves if our Lord hadn't risen from the dead. There is no possible way that they have that they could have gone into the world to to propagate a made-up story as unique as Christianity is, because there's no possible ulterior motive for the original apostles to preach not about getting rich and famous and powerful and successful, but to preach about the blessedness of poverty and the virtue of purity and the promise of being hated, persecuted, and killed. That, isn't, that, that, that sort of story isn't, isn't fabricated. And they, they weren't a, a huddled group in a cult. They were, they were spread out all throughout the known world. How will the world continue to believe in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection? And because of that, his divinity. Because the message will still be proclaimed by those who have obviously no ulterior motive. Many of us, whether it be in the lay faithful or among the clergy or among the religious, can, in today's world, gain much by pretending to be Christian. But there are those unique souls who are so devout in how they practice their faith, whether it be in marriage or in religious life, or in the priesthood, that they are credible. They become a reason to believe. And so to those of you who are graduating or have graduated, I, I urge you to consider your, your life and your vocation not as something to consider in 20 or 25 years. Your lives are already or soon will be 25 or 25% over. 
Now is the time when men and women who have grown up begin the work of their lives. And even if it's postponed by a year or two or four or four and a half in some cases, the time is actually now. I alluded to it when you were confirmed that the next sacrament is going to be either marriage or ordination. Begin to pray about that. Begin to be open to that. But approach it as one who will do so as a real Christian. As that kind of sister or brother or priest or mom or dad whose life is so thoroughly Christian that it actually makes it easier for people to believe that God is real and that Jesus is divine and that what we say about him and what we do because of it is actually true. And in particular, because it is Father's Day, we consider how the mystery of the Holy Trinity reveals that to to be is to love, and to love is to be not alone. To love is to love another and another. Not only our souls, but our bodies bear that mystery. But we can't love indiscriminately. There has to be a choice of whom to love and whom to love faithfully, which means foregoing many, many other possibilities. That's true of marriage. It's true of celibacy. It's very similar. And to live out that life's work as a real Christian vocation means to do it completely. Means it's indelible. There is no going back. There is no other alternative. Many people get married. What distinguishes a Christian marriage? Completely open to the other. A real sacrifice of the rest of your life. A real life of obedience to God and mutual subordination means it's open to life. Those two two characteristics, the fact that divorce and remarriage is is not an option, the fact that contraception is not practiced, that completely elevates a Christian marriage into something that most of the world regards as impossible or at least heroic. And what's the fruit of that when it's it's lived generously? Not only do your kids know that mom and dad love each other and actually have laid down their lives as a sacrifice, your kids' friends will know it too. Your home will be a, a beacon of hope, a place where there's love and respect and food and free Wi-Fi in the 21st century. It's moms and dads who change the world indelibly. Their love results in another life who will live for all eternity. 
And even if marriage is an eternal, the fruits of marriage are forever. Fortunately, in the group of you, I've already spoken to two about a celibate vocation. But in whatever walk of life God leads you, be prompt, don't wait, and be generous. And God will work miracles through you. And later on, we'll be able to brag that one day we knew you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.